Swallows of the South is a proud member of the RPG Academy Network. Hello, and welcome to Swallows of the South. I'm Quinn Wilson, Storyteller. This week we kick off our Rizzo's Quest episodes where we check in on exactly what Rizzo's been up to since she left Jiao Wei six months back. For these episodes, Lenny and Alex are playing different characters. These are actually quick characters from the back of the book, so you may notice some things about them that are a little strange here and there. That's because these characters are not standardly built. On that note, Alex will be playing the Abyssal Exalt Leah, and Lenny will be playing the Wood Aspect Dragon-Blooded Tulio. I'm very excited to share their adventures with you, but first I'd like to thank Origami Samurai and Sam Baron for their excellent 5-star reviews on iTunes. Sam has a fantastic podcast called Spasming Hill that you should definitely check out. As we get closer to Season 2 and the launch of our Patreon, I wanted to let you know that all backers will be allowed access to blooper audio from the sessions we have recorded. And believe me, we are sitting on a lot of that. And Rizzo's Quest's theme song is Koromogoe by Kunai Shogakubu. With no further ado, let's get into Rizzo's Quest. In the time of myth, when gods and mortals walked creation together, Rizzo had struck an uneasy alliance with the chosen of Saturn, languishing diatribe, and her ally in charge, ray of morning sunlight. Finding solace only in other wayward souls embroiled in these schemes, Rizzo had grown fond of the abyssal exalt Leah, running from the pole of a heavy past, and the wood aspect dragon-blooded Tulio, a man ever searching for a family lost to him. Now, as these three were called before languishing diatribe, what adventures lay in store? We open on the setting sun, and as it sets, you can see the purplish twinkling of Saturn just above the sun, and slowly we pull out and see a group of figures on what appears to be a sort of rocky outcropping overlooking the night sky and the stars that are starting to blossom out across it. One person is old and withered. She has caramel-colored skin and is plucking through a strange device that sits before her. She has these deep, intensely purple eyes, and this device looks almost like a loom, but it is much more complicated and spiraling and broad than any loom you've ever seen before. It is probably about five feet long and relatively narrow, and each of these strings caught up in this loom look like they are made out of starlight with little points of stars, and she is grabbing and plucking and moving these threads through this loom, and sitting next to her is a man with amber-colored eyes and bronze skin. He has dark, curly hair that falls to about his shoulders, and a prominent nose. Perhaps more notable than that, though, is the third arm that sits at his right side. Typically, when you see depictions of three-armed beings, the second arm tends to come out beneath where the first arms are. This, however, actually takes a spot above, so it looks like he has one shoulder kind of sitting on top of his normal shoulder, where a third arm comes out. And sitting opposite these two figures are three people and a wolf. So why don't you give me descriptions of who these three people are? Sitting sort of on the right of the three is a 
younger girl. Her name is Fallen Magnolia of Rainy Spring. She has kind of darker olive skin and dark green eyes. Her hair is chopped pretty abruptly right above her shoulders and it's wavy, but the color is not a bright red. It's like dark, the color of drying blood. She has a boyish figure. She's very flat. She almost looks like she could be 13, maybe younger, but she's 18 years old. And as she sits, she's sort of grabbing her knees, clenching them, moving them back and forth forward over these sort of tight black pants that she's wearing. Over her very flat chest is a metallic black corset with these kind of intricate designs welded into it. And under that is a black leather shirt. Excellent. Sitting to the left of the two people that were previously described is a man named Tulio. He's in his mid-twenties and he draws the eye because his hair is not quite normal. It's pull it up in almost a dreads-like style, but the dreads themselves are very short, yet the texture of his hair looks almost like the bark of a tree and his darker skin is warm and contrasts his bright green eyes. He's very tall and very slender and seems almost demure except for his thick eyebrows that betray his feminine features. His attire is almost entirely different fabrics draped over each other and thin black pieces visible between those fabrics. Awesome. There is a girl who is sitting in the last spot and she's about five three and three fourths she has she has caramel colored brown skin her hair is brown with a little bit of green in it on the left side uh her eyes are brown darker brown almost black she wears a dress that goes to about mid thigh but it has a square top has square sleeves and she has a heart-ish, round, ovally shaped face. Pretty plain. Excellent. And would you care to describe the very special, very impressive wolf that is sitting next to her? Qui-Gon Jinn is the name. Qui-Gon Jinn and Juice. And he is a wolf about the size of a large fox. Not particularly impressive in size, but it looks like a little teacup wolf. He is all gray, like a charcoal dark gray with a lighter gray down the middle of the front, and then also brown eyes very similar to Rizzo's. Excellent. And as this meeting is called to order, I'm actually going to ask that all of you make a perception plus awareness roll. So that is going to be five dice for, no, six dice for Rizzo, unless you wanted to spend some for up to 12. Mm -hmm. You are looking to get five successes here. One success. Excellent. So then old Twilio. Two successes. Wonderful. One success. Okay, so on this loom, you guys notice that there are a couple of very small, metallically constructed spiders scuttling down, and it sits on this large, square piece of cloth that is kind of black and orange and red. But aside from that, nothing particular stands out. And now that you guys have settled yourselves, Languishing Diatribe, the woman who was playing around with this loom, shakes her hands and reaches for a pot of tea that sits at her side. I thank you for coming to the room 
now. It's very appreciated. Um, you guys are actually inside of a building right now. It is a manse, which is why it is able to display the absolute splendor of the stars in this particular way. But she starts pouring tea. Would any of you care for oolong? Do you have any sugar? Of course. Sure, I'll take a cup. And so she pours the oolong into a small cup and hands it towards you, gesturing toward a small rocking boat of sugar that sits next to her. Thank you. Tulio? Do you have have any creamer? Well, I do have just cream. Yes, your accent is very amusing to me. <laughs> I and get that quite often. She motions towards a small gourd that is actually filled with milk. Tulio waltzes over to the gourd and begins pouring cream into his beverage. Leah? I'm alright, thanks. Never much one for drinks. It's a shame. Anyhow, I've called you all here for a reason. I've been doing some looking around, and she gestures towards the loom, and I think that I've finally found an assignment that I'd like to put the three of you on now that you've proven yourselves all so invaluable to our little mission. You see, we've located a lead as to where we might be able to finally locate the Idol of Jupiter, the Maiden of Secrets. Now, it's come to my attention that you have been doing a lot of hard work under our supervision, and we think that you've proven yourselves trustworthy enough that this might be a good opportunity to really let you prove yourselves in the field. Isn't that right, Ray? And his three arms are crossed, and he smirks and says, Well, I'm not exactly sure. I thought that I might tag along, if you didn't mind. And he shoots kind of a sharp look at Languishing Diatribe, and she just puts up her hand and shakes her head. Is this undertaking something that you might be interested in, the three of you? Why do you need us? Well, I need you simply because the spark inside you is bright and brilliant, and you have a lot to offer. Soon, you might even be able to help me with this little problem. And she reaches into a bag at her side, and the three-armed sun idol and its broken arm lay inside. And I know that your skills stretch beyond mere repair of artifice. All three of you are invaluable, and it's only a matter of time until creation gives you what you deserve. If you just hang on a little bit longer, we can finally give you what you all deserve. How far do we have to go? Just into the scavenger lands. Couple of hundred miles. I'm a little confused. Why? What's, what's in it for us? I know you said that we get what we deserve, but how can we trust you? I mean, you're asking us to do something a little weird. Well, you've been with us for a while. Now, all of you have. You've seen the work that we do, and you've seen how it allows us to bring things that are broken to an end and to establish the seeds of something good and new. This is such an opportunity for you to prove that you have that capacity on your own. If you do this, then next time, it might be something even grander that I ask of you, and the rewards could be that much more. Would you not like a manse like this for yourself? Sounds pretty nice. Tulio, what do you think? Tulio looks up from having currently been picking the dirt underneath his bark-textured fingernails, and slightly nods towards 
Rizzo. Understood. Thank you. Leah? I don't know. It's, I don't like going so far away, but if you think we can do it, then I can try. I think us together, we could totally do it. We could also use some adventure, so... Yeah. I say we're in. Wonderful. Wonderful. I am very excited to see what kind of wonders you might reap. Well, there is a small empire that has established itself in the heart of the scavenger lands. I say established itself, but it's been around for a couple of hundred years. Time, you know. I sometimes forget how quickly it passes. But it is called Onomatsu, and we believe that within its borders are the lost shrine to Jupiter that holds this particular idol. And as I've told you before, if we are able to draw forth the investiture of Jupiter's essence with which she has put into the idol, we can then use it to draw down the sun and finally make him see what he's left behind for so long. And we believe that a good place for you to start might simply be in the capital city of Anamatsu. It's actually quite a quaint little place. Shares the name of its parental empire. I hear that the cherry blossoms are in bloom right now. It should be a lovely trip. Sounds pretty interesting. Is it going to be dangerous? My child, your life is danger. Our lives are danger. Even here, I wouldn't exactly call us safe. So yes, it will be dangerous. Cool. Which is why you should allow me to accompany them. I can offer them the protection that they can't guarantee themselves. You know what I can do. Why do you hold me back? We don't need you, Ray. We can take care of ourselves. Thank you. Oh, can you, Rizzo? Yes, we can. Would you like to prove that? I don't see why not. Then fight me. Now. Right now. You want to fight right now. If I win, if then you... I get to come. Don't fight him. Just... We've, we've known this guy for I don't know how long, and I know for a fact that I can take him on. Tulio looks up from continuing to pick at his fingernails and slightly shakes his head and looks back down. Tulio, I don't... I need your support right now, not your sass. And Languishing Diatribe has actually turned back and is picking at the loom. She apparently has no particular opinion on this. All right, Ray, now if I win, you have to stay with Languishing, and you're going to pour all her tea for her, and when we come back, you're going to shine all of our shoes. I don't wear shoes. You're going to shine his bark toenails. You're going to degrade me like that. Oh, fine. I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all. And he stands, cracking the knuckles first on his third hand and then on his other two. And he gestures toward the sort of rocky area that leads toward the door of the manse and motions for you to join him over there. But Ray is squaring up against Rizzo. And as he prepares to take her on, he drops into a low stance, angling his side with two arms more close towards her. What do you do? I would like to activate my diamond body piranha. Excellent. And what does that look like when Rizzo does it? So first, it's kind of like a twirl of the fingers. 
like in a circular motion, almost feathery-like in the individual fingers. And there's like this low humming coming from the ground. And it is like that silverish, silver dollar fish color where it like is a gray blue. And it starts from her feet all the way up to the top of her head, leaving just a crown point at the top that's uncovered. But it just stays like the, at this low, low glow of that bluish gray. Ooh, I love it. Okay, so go ahead and roll your stamina plus resistance, which I believe is 10 dice, but you'll get two for your stunt, so 12 dice total. Five successes. Awesome. So per the charm, you take those five successes and you add three to them, and you add that to your soak. So right now your soak is 15. 15 soak. 15 soak, not bad. And as you do this, as this covers your body, mm-hmm. Ray smirks and lunges forward. So time to roll join battle. Two successes. Excellent. Now let's see how Ray does. He only rolled one. So Rizzo right now is at five initiative and Ray is at four. So Rizzo gets to go first. Rizzo smirks, by the way, right back at Ray. I love it. What are you going to do? First up, I am going to use my excellent strike. And you're going to make a withering attack, yes? Yes. So his defense is six. Would you like to spend any dice on your excellency? I would like to use one personal vote. All right, one personal. So that will bring your dice pool to a base of 14. And how about you give us a description, and then we can see where you go with your stunts. So I have this excellent strike move that I'm about to use, and I have my nifty sword, and the sword is medium in length. It has a classical, almost renaissance-type feel to it, like it was used possibly by a knight, and it has a pearl handle that um, on the top part where the kind of branches out on either side kind of curls down into a scrolly on either side. Mm -hmm. There's a very tiny, tiny stone at the base of the sword where it anchors in that grip on the handle. And then just long, sleek, kind of dull for a sword in luminescent shininess Mm -hmm. and quite Quite pointy at the tip. Like, if you look at it, you might pierce your eyeballs. Excellent. And how are you attacking him with this sword? Like, physically describe how you are. Right. So it's going to be a strike of excellence. I am going to lunge toward him, but in a forward motion. So kind of in like in a quick jab, leaning with my right foot forward. It's one swoop and a flick of the wrist in and a quick jab. Awesome. I will give you a two dot stunt for that. So you get one automatic success and two dice. So roll 16 dice and you have two automatic successes. Welp, you definitely hit him. Yep. (laughs) That is 14 successes. Over his defense of six. (laughs) So that's eight rollover successes. So with those, roll 12 dice. One success has been made. That's not the best. (laughs) That's not great. Spent all my uh, successes on that one initial blow. That one weird roll. His initiative drops down to three. And yours goes up to six. As you strike him with your sword, you can feel his 
core sort of tense up, and he is with one hand going to knock away your sword and then draw in close and smack you, like kind of try to punch you in the solar plexus with two of his fists at once. Seven successes, which matches your parry value, uh, which means he does manage to land this hit, but you have very, very good soak right now, so he's just rolling his overwhelming value because he has little baby sun hands <laughs> so he gets an overwhelming value and he manages to hit rizzo for one hooray so it's the top of the round now which means that you regain the four motes that you spent on your excellent strike and your excellency last round and you and ray are acting on the same tick so he is going to try to leap in and attack you I would like to use my excellent strike, and please take all of my excellency. Excellent. So that is going to be 10 motes. Are you spending from personal or peripheral? Peripheral. So at this point, not only does your cast mark pop out on your forehead, but so does your solar anima, so you have a glowing aura about you. What colors are present in Rizzo's anima? Gold is very typical for the solar exalted, but there's often other colors mixed up in there. I would say gold is prominent and the core color, but around the edges, there are purple and blue, and they are rotating around, pulsing. Excellent. So you're leaping in like this, and he is trying to leap in, and he's actually switched sides on his body, so he's attacking you with the the one hand here, Okay. and he's trying to punch you up towards the shoulder to Mm -hmm. get that sword away from you. Uh, But go ahead and roll your dice pool, which is 20 dice. (laughs) <laughs> you only got one one but you gotta re-roll that one and you gotta re-roll that one. Oh well that's 14 successes awesome now he is going to roll his clash to see if he can beat 14 successes on 16 dice not likely <laughs> he rolled seven successes and because this is a clash attack, that means that you got seven successes more than he did. So roll 11 dice for damage. 11 successes. So describe to me how you put him so on the ropes that he can't reasonably continue this fight while looking like he stands any sort of chance against you. Let me tell you. So we have this one monstral punch that just lands and his is kind of, I wouldn't say happened on purpose. It might have just been his footing because we were going at such of a high speed. And he missed his punch. Like he, first of all, overthrew it. He was extending too much. So he was going to injure himself anyways by exalting that much force. (laughs) And he just overthrows it. Too much energy into that throw. We're kind of slanted a little bit. He starts to roll a little bit. And as I see him start to waver through that overthrown punch, I kind of stick my foot out a little bit. And he just keeps rolling, rolling, rolling. And he lands into this garbage. And... And he just is right in the middle of this garbage. It smells. There's dogs barking over there. He looks like a fool. He really shouldn't be getting up. And he has a busted lip. He kind of stands up and wipes the blood away from his lip. And you can hear cutting across the room in the manse. Thyatribe who says, Well, Ray, you should go clean yourself up. If you're going to be attending to me for the next little while, I'd prefer that you do it while you're clean. And he sullenly trudges out of the room. Bye, Ray. 
Good job, Rizzo. It's been a while since I've seen somebody really put him in his place. Just doing my duty, ma'am. My duty. Well, if you keep that kind of attitude into the next couple of days, I think that you're going to do a very, very good job. Thank you. I think, unless the three of you have any questions, we're done here. Is there anything you would like to know about Anamatsu or anything else? Do you know any of Anamatsu's weaknesses? Word has it that they are ruled presently by a child emperor. So, allowing a child to make executive decisions in your national politics is generally not particularly advisable. He might have adult advisors who attend to his whims and keep things on track, but their leader is a child. That could be useful. I believe so. Thank you. We good to go, ladies and gentlemen? I don't want to know anything else we can just leave tulio tulio looks up from his fingernails and nods well put tulio and then before you guys leave she says thank you very much majin you can stop now and the loom that is sitting there collapses and as it falls down and the light dies out of it you can see it kind of pull itself back together And where there was the loom, now there is kind of a seam that is rapidly closing along a woman's back. And right as the last part of the seam closes, you can see one of these silvery metallic spiders crawl inside. She sits up on this piece of cloth, completely nude, grabs it, slings it over her shoulder and says, When you guys need me, I'll be your transportation. And puts her two fingers to her forehead and salutes away as she walks out of the room. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not too fancy on using a naked woman as our transportation. I don't know. I'm sure that she'll put her clothes on again. But if you become a loom, it's a little inconvenient to be wearing clothes when you undertake the act. It's a little inconvenient for me to be looking at somebody who's naked in public. Well, she's gone now. She'll probably be wearing her clothes. She likes to wear clothes while she drives her ox cart anyway. Well, maybe we could just put a cloth over the loom next time. Just so when it collapses, she's covered for modesty's sake? Yeah. I can arrange that. I didn't realize that you were so prudish. I don't know if prudish is the word. You know, I like to have fun, but... It's just a human body. Well, it's not... We've all got them. It's not the human body I want to see. Tulio looks over at Rizzo and slowly pulls up the fabric around his leg to show his ankles and wiggles his eyebrows at Rizzo. Tulio, you're nasty. He puts the fabric back down over his ankles. I appreciate you joining me for tea. I look forward to your return from Anamatsu. So after this meeting, we cut to another room in this manse where Tulio, Rizzo, and Leah are all meeting. What does this room look like? Is it a common room? Is it somebody's bedroom? What's the deal? This room looks very much like a ballroom, but just miniature size, so almost like a rec room. There are mirrors on the walls just because it could also be some kind of dance studio. Dimly lit kind of a yellowish greenish hue from the lights because they're not or they are fluorescent well there's not electricity so (laughs) these lanterns are giving off a yellowish greenish hue there's a round table kind of off center towards the corner where these two mirrored walls meet that way there's space 
in the general floor area to move around, but there's also a place to congregate. Congregate. In each of the four corners of this room, there are very large statues that are intricate and depict four different badgers. They are all badgers. Strong badger, smart badger, shy badger, and cool badger. <laughs> that one has sunglasses. <laughs> he has the sunglasses with, like, the lines in them. Yeah. The shy badger has a blanket. Oh, boy. Okay, but y'all are having a conversation. Do you think we should turn the lights off? I think we should leave them on. What if they find us? They'll find us with the lights on or off, I think. They're highly skilled, I'm pretty sure. We can blow one out. We can blow one candle out. (sighs) Nice. Looks pretty good in here. How long are we supposed to wait in here for? Are we waiting for something? Because I'm tired of waiting. We're just going to do this thing and we're going to run away. We're going to skip on out of here. We're going to get what needs to be done, done, and then, you know, what she promised us. The sooner we get it done, the sooner we get our prize. But we can't go back. We can go back after we've finished our task. No, we can't. Why can't we? Because if they get their hands on what they want from us, then have you not been listening? I have. We can't give it to them, no matter what reward we get. We have to get it and leave. But then they're going to try to follow us because we have what they want. Well, that's better than just handing it over to them. Well, how do you know what they're going to do with it is bad? Because I know bad people. They don't care about any of us. They didn't save me because they liked me. They saved me because they wanted to use me. I'm just an accessory. I'm... If they want to use you, then why would they dispose of you? Because they, I haven't given them what they want yet. What if they need us to do something else? You know, another task. Well, I don't want to just be a task-to-task person. That's not why... We shouldn't I'm be he- doing this blindly. We shouldn't just create this sense that they're going to get rid of us as soon as they don't need us anymore. They might keep needing us. Once we figure out how they work, we can understand how we should form a plan to break away, if that's what we want. I've been waiting on breaking away for a long time. And I don't think anything is going to change that makes this the least opportune time. I think this is a strong contender for a successful escape. To just leave with the idol? Yes. Tulio nods. I, I guess if that's that's what you guys want, then we'll do it. It's not just about what we want. It's about what's best for everyone, for so many people. They're not just run-of-the-mill. They're not what you think they are, okay? I think that they have bigger goals with worse intentions. And I agree with Tulio. If this is the time that they're giving it, they're literally handing us a chance to go. They're handing us a chance to go. We should probably watch our backs because who knows? I mean, they probably don't trust us all as much as we think that they do. So we should act with caution if we're going to follow through with this and try to cover our tracks. That's fine, just as long as they don't get their hands on the idol. That also means we're going to be constantly running away from them because we have the idol and that's what they need. We've seen how strong you are against them. That was luck. That's not going to happen every single time. That wasn't luck. You are strong, Rizzo. You're one of the strongest people I know. Ray just fumbled a little bit. You've seen what he can really do. He's done some pretty amazing things, and I think he was just only a little upset. But we don't even know what languishing can do. She could probably... Well, let's get out of here before we find out. The hard way. We cut to the next morning, and Majin is waiting for you outside the manse. Clothes? Yes, she is actually wearing that reddish-orange-black robe that has kind of zigzaggy geometric patterns, and she is holding this elaborate rope 
bridle that is inside of the mouth of an ox. And she looks at you guys as you approach and says, Getting on then? Yep. Uh, thank you for dressing, by the way. I just wanted to make sure that didn't go um, unnoticed. Thank you. Yeah, I typically wear clothes. It's... I'm not sure about that because I've never seen you on account of any other thing. So I just want to say thank you. So. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome. You know what? It's not my fault that I'm comfortable with my body and it's hot. It's the middle of summer. I'm sure that's fine, but you don't see me walking around with not clothes on. I would <sighs> not care. You say that, More but. More power to you. You know what else is nice? Taking us to the capital. Yeah, no, hop on in. Thank you, by the way, and I don't mind what you wear, whatever you want to do. I understand it's hot. Under all this stuff I'm wearing, I'm baking. Does, are you implying that you want to take your clothes off? Because I- No, I don't want to take my clothes off. I'm just saying I get where she's coming from. I'm just saying, if that's in your head. Rizzo, I know how you will react if I take my clothes off, so that's even less motivation to do so. Squash it. Squash that thought. Tulio looks at Majin and subtly and respectfully nods and then walks towards the ox. At the back of this cart, it's actually kind of like a covered wagon. It has these loose cloth windows. It's made out of red lacquered wood and it's relatively spacious in the back. There's actually two beds set up and then some chairs. And as everyone gets in and gets comfortable, she says, if you make quick and take a nap, we should be there by the time you wake up. If you don't, I can't exactly guarantee that it'll be a short trip. So you need us to go to sleep in order for us to go? Well, I'm going to start going, but when I start going, it'll be better for everyone if you all just take a quick nap. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. No problem. It's my job. You're giving me strange eyes, Rizzo. <laughs> What's the matter? I'm just hoping that when we open up our eyes again, you still have clothes on. Oh my god, Rizzo. Why do you care so much? I was never allowed to be nude when I was a child. That doesn't mean you get to enforce Wait, that principle on did, others. Did you not have baths? Could you not take baths? With clothes on. What? How's that going to get you clean? Tulio picks out the dirt under his fingernails awkwardly. Just, you did laundry at the same time. Oh, okay, but that still doesn't answer the question. How did I get clean? I took, I took baths with my clothes on. That's not... You were never going to get closure on this, I guess. I guess not. Yeah, um... Ugh. Well, thank you for the recommendation and... Oh, it's not a recommendation. It's an order. I need you to go to sleep. Oh, oh, I did not know that. Okay, I will do that. Okay, we'll just be here in the back, sleeping. So she cracks the the rope on the ox and it starts trundling forward. You guys actually going to take a nap or what? No, no, I was actually going to suggest that I am not going to take a nap because I do not trust this nudist. One time she's naked. And so I know, like, goddamn. So what are you doing instead of sleeping? Do we have to sleep? I'm just pretending I'm sleeping. Okay. She is telling you that you guys need to sleep, yes. Okay. So is anybody actually going to bed? Is anybody actually sleeping? Uh, Leah probably will. Okay. Then if Rizzo and Tulio would like to give me perception plus awareness rolls at a difficulty of three, I might be able to tell you something interesting. I would like to spend one moat on my excellency. Wonderful. Go ahead and roll that for me then. That's four successes. Excellent. And Tulio? What are we trying to beat again? Uh, three. And I won't buff it because we already got one. Damn, Tulio. Back Tulio, are you briefly related to Godwin? Yeah. Four successes. So you both can see the light muttering from behind as she speaks and you notice a couple of times 
light movement on the back of her robes, like kind of scuttling movement. And at one point, you actually both see a quick movement, like a surging of flesh and movement across her neck, and then it tucks up behind her hair, and the ox cart continues to trundle. I think we should look to escape soon. I agree. I don't trust her. I think the three of us could take her out very quickly. I agree. How should we do this? Should we wake Leah? Well, yeah, we should wake Leah, but there's also a chance she may not want to do that, to fight. So should we leave her asleep? We should probably take the woman as the two of us. Take over the cart. Yes. Yeah, and head to the capital ourselves. Yes. And get the idol ourselves. Yes. Get back in the cart. Yes. And run away. Yes. Okay, let's do this. Leah could be asleep the entire time. Probably will. All right, so she is going to get a chance to catch that this this bad boy is coming. Uh, so she's going to roll her senses, which is five dice. Two successes, which means that right now she is none the wiser about this scheme that is hatching. Are you guys going to just kind of leap on this immediately, or are you going to wait for an opportune moment? I say... It's a long journey. Wait for an opportune moment. Let her drive most of the way because we work pretty hard. Right. And we just do it in one swift attack. Make it as clean and quiet as possible. Cool. Leah's sleeping. I can do this thing called a storm wind rider. And I'm pretty sure after we just lull her to sleep, we can get there really fast. And before she could even alert languish or Ray that we have escaped and that we're headed on that direction... So by the time she gets back to tell them, we'll have already had the idol and we can just figure out from that point with a big foot ahead. You don't think we should keep her hostage? Why? That way we know what she'll say. I'm, I or don't. Or should we kill her? N- no, we don't need to do that. We could just knock her out for a good sleep. How long is a good sleep? couple hours. If I can get us there at 100 miles per hour, we'll be there in no time. 100 miles per hour. I have faith in you, Rizzo. Should we wake up Leah to find this out? Perhaps not. (laughs) We could just knock her out. Should you do the honors or should I? Or we could just huddle together and use the Stormwind Rider and just blast out. Break apart the ox cart and (laughs) grind down the mountain. We're still going to get there significantly faster. But then she will be unimpaired. So what are you guys going to do? Are you going to just pop your Stormwind Rider and fly away? Or are you going to incapacitate her first? Whatever you feel is best, Rizzo. I think we should just use the Storm Rider. And that'll slow her down anyways from trying to get back to Languish. And get there faster, and then find our own way out of there. You are a fearless leader. Awesome. So uh, I want you to go ahead and give me an intelligence plus occult roll. Okay. And you're looking to accumulate over the next little bit 15 successes. So I believe that's eight dice base. But you actually have an occult specialty in sorcerer's training, so that'll be nine. And I would like to use one personal... All right, so six successes, and she's going to take a quick check to see if she's noticing that there's active sorcery happening in the back of this wagon. Okay, so she got three. 
Nothing happens immediately, so you should make that roll again. Base nine, and then if you want to spend excellency dice, you can. Sure, I'd like to spend one excellency dice, sir. Excellent. So, roll that ten again. Five successes. Awesome. That brings you up to 11 total motes out of the 15 you need. So she's going to take another check real quick. Uh, She got one this time, but as the energy begins to swirl around you, this elemental wind that you're summoning begins to become loud, and you see her cock her head a little bit and turn, and then you hear, hmm, and then the thing cracks again. Tulio can now make a senses check, though, at a difficulty of four. Tulio is going to spend four motes. Excellent. Four successes. Well, I'll be if that isn't a funny little silver spider crawling inside of Leah's bag. We need to get that out of her bag. Yeah, that little spider is concerning. It's a bug. It's a problem. It's a it's a bug, metaphorically and literally. Well, should we wake her up? Tulio just quickly smashes the bag. There could be important things in there. You should probably no. <laughs> it's a photo of her parents. <laughs> Do you hear a glass break? Yeah, if Rizzo goes off to help with this, it will mean she has to abandon trying to get this Stormwind Rider writing. So you're going to have to deal with Tulio's crude methods. <laughs> Though that might conceivably have woken Leah just having that yeah. bag smashed. And glass breaking, but that's fine. What What are you What are you doing? Saving Wind our lives. He's whipping around the room, or around Rizzo. Rizzo, what the fuck? What are you doing? I'm creating a tornado. Shh, sh- me, shush, you're blowing the, this whole thing. Yeah, I'm blowing us out of here. I know, but... Ugh. I don't trust her. She's made of spiders. Now she's gonna run back faster and tell them what we're doing. Um, would you prefer I knock her out first? I don't know. Just, uh How about you actually, you know, t- tell me what to do, because I don't know. It's very hard out here. Well, we just... I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. We, we can't go back from this. Might as well just give it your all. So what do you need me to do to help? Support me. We're going. We're about to blast out of here. Okay, you can do this. All right, but you should roll that nine dice again. Yikes. So eight successes. This Stormwind Rider congeals, and one of the mattresses slams into the side of the ox cart as the top of it rips open, and this tornado congeals around the three of you, and Leah is actually still on the mattress as it bucks along the wind, and you can see Majin stand, turn, and gives like the what the hell? She's like flapping her arms around disconcertedly as you guys tear off down the side of this rocky mountain. So the gusts of the Stormwind Rider pick up stones as you barrel down the side of the mountain, and these stones wipe away and give way to pink cherry blossom leaves as we cut to everyone's arrival in the city of Anamatsu proper. The Stormwind Rider is dying down and scattering these leaves about. It is set in a lush valley, and you can see the palace of Anamatsu overlooking the rest of the city with its back up against the sort of mountain at the back of the valley. But despite the fact that it is the summer months right now, the cherry blossoms are surprisingly in full bloom, though some of the trees have an undercurrent of greenness that shoots through them. The town itself is a a town of sloped roofs 
and red paint. Uh, is there any place that you guys wanted to start looking for these leads as you come into town? I would like to check out and possibly if we could find out if they have any particularly older recreational areas or spots that people seldom go to, but it's older Possibly like maybe a mausoleum or maybe like an old park. Okay, if you actually want to give me an intelligence plus lore roll, that might help get you there. Four successes. Excellent. So four successes. You know, based on what Languishing Diatribe told you and what you've read about this part of the scavenger lands is that this town and this city were built on top of some existing ancient infrastructure, most of which was held at the back of the town, up where the palaces and the palace gardens are ostensibly the oldest part of town, and that they have historically had a relatively strict policy as to what visitors they do and do not allow inside of the imperial palace. We would like to go in there. So, you wander through town, and people seem to be keeping very much to their own business as you approach the tall, broad, red gates that hold the palace behind them. And you think that you've seen a couple of strange forms at the corner of your eyes as you move to this part of town. And as you get to the gates, you realize, certainly, that you have been seeing some things that are very much not typical. As the two guards at the gate... But you notice that the guards who are sitting in front of this gate, they are wearing lamellar armor and they're holding curved spears. They do not wear helmets and looking at their face is probably disorienting for all of you because their face is not really a face. It is as though somebody took a piece of skin and pulled it completely over their face, smoothing it out entirely. They have no hair, they have no eyes, they have no ears. Just a completely smooth, round surface. It's like someone put a pantyhose on their face? Mm, kind of. pantyhose was made of skin. And also, if it completely smoothed out the facial features, there is no form or silhouette beneath this skin. It is flatness. They have a mouth? Nope. Oh. Ears? Nope. But is it like flat flat or is it like flat? No, it's like completely flat. So we see them? Mm-hmm. Do they see us? Yes, they are standing with spears crossed at the gates. Hello, sirs or madams or however. We would like to enter, if that's okay. And all three of you can hear echoing in your minds a single voice. You can't come in here. Uh, may I ask why not? Because you're not allowed. May I ask why? Because they said not to let anybody in. Under no circumstances? What if I have to go to the bathroom? You can go somewhere else. I'd like to go here, though. No, you're not allowed. She's already dancing. I've been traveling with her for a long time, and she won't make it anywhere else. You have a whole city. You're being incredibly rude, rude to someone with bowel concerns. But but they but they said but they said but they said. Would you like to dispute this in court? So, go ahead and roll. I'm gonna call it statistically manipulation plus socialize. Uh, you're trying to beat a resolve score of three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so six. 
if you want to take it up in court, then you can talk to me yourself. Stupid. And the spears uncross from the gate, and it swings open. The garden behind the gate is filled with various exotic trees and flower bushes, as well as some very, very nice rock gardening. And this palace seems to be almost entirely populated by more forms who have this featureless, smoothed-over face. I I think that might have been the emperor. With the no face? No, the one that was talking sounded a lot like a child. That's very true, a scared child. I don't think we should spook him. I mean, I know how little boys are. If we scare him, he'll just throw a tantrum and throw us out. We have to be careful. Maybe, since you know how to handle this, maybe we could have you take the lead and just make sure you can keep them calm and maybe find out some information or just if he can let us search, search the palace. Maybe distract the emperor. I am a good distraction. And as you say this, one of the figures walks nearby and looks down at Quinn. You have a dog? Why didn't you say you have a dog? You didn't ask if I had a dog. I want to see the dog. Okay, okay. His name is Qui-Gon Jin and Juice. Qui-Gon Jin and Juice. Bring, bring him to me. Okay. Now you use two fingers to pet. He's very sensitive. No, no, not, the, not, not him. To me. And the figure then gestures violently towards the main building of the palace. Right away, sir. So the figure walks with you, ushering you deeper into the palace, which seems to be more and more filled with these figures, until finally you are brought to this throne room, which at the back of it there is a wonderful, intricate mural that details, like, misty mountains and the red gates of Anamatsu, and at the center of this room, there are two figures. One is a tired-looking man, probably about 45 years of age, wearing fine, clean robes, who is sat down next to a figure that is wearing probably four times as much cloth as is the middle-aged attendant, but this is probably a six-year-old boy with his messy hair combed back and held up in a top knot, and there are a couple of rolls of scrolls that are unfurled in front of him, held down with one of those stone scroll blocks, and he awkwardly sits up, pressing through the waves of his clothing to sit up to look at you as you enter. And as the light plays across, you can see that his hair and the cloth that he's wearing has this faint green tint to it. Where's the dog? I want to see the dog. Go ahead. So his face brightens significantly as he tries his best to clamber around Qui-Gon Jinn and Juice. He's wearing a lot of robes and they aren't sitting well necessarily with a wild animal. Is he clothed? Is he fully clothed? The boy? Yes. Uh, he's got enough clothes for four to five middle-aged men on him. Perfect. Why are you here? Why did you come? Um, well, I, for starters, I need to use your restroom if you could let me. But also, I was wondering if you wanted to help us with something. Probably like a quest, like a little miniature quest. 
I don't like the sound of that. It I can't remember. I can't remember why, but somebody told me that's dangerous. It, it's not going to be dangerous or anything because, I mean, we are very skilled and we all are very nice and we can help you in any way that if you need help. But we just need your help a little bit and I'll let you pet Qui-Gon Gin and Juice for however long you need. What's your quest? Well, you know, uh, your your highness, you, you must be, what, 10, 11? I don't remember. Well, you look pretty old. I mean, we can only let someone do this who's strong and smart, and it looks like you could do that, and I don't know, I heard that emperors are pretty powerful in getting things done, and be pretty great if you could help out some, some people like us on a quest. I'm sure a lot of people would talk about you for a long time. Poe's always telling me that my responsibility is to the city and to the empire, not to some stupid strangers. Yeah, but the city, they don't notice all of that. But if you help us, they're gonna look at you and they're gonna think, wow, our emperor is so powerful. He can he can do anything. He can even assist three people that he doesn't know and get them to quite a wonderful treasure. And when you say the word treasure the middle-aged attendant puts up his hands and lightly tries to shake his head no but go ahead and make a manipulation plus socialize check five successes what what treasure are you looking for well it's a pretty big one not even that many people know about it it's an idol and when you say that there is a thrumming sound that fills the chamber and the entire room seems to grow a little dark, and there are these little flecks of green light that appear to kind of burst and filter through the room, almost like motes of dust. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't have to know. Just know that it's a fantastic thing, and that if we can find it with your help, you'll be famous, even more so than you are now. It's supposed to be a secret. I like secrets. How about I tell you a secret and you can tell me yours? No, this is one of the secrets that I can't tell. I, I don't remember anyway. Oh, that's okay. I, I know when you're younger, you listen to older people. I used to, too, but... Stop talking to me like I'm a child. I know you're not. I'm 900 years old. <laughs> I know. I know you're not a child. That's why I thought you would tell me your secret. I was made for secrets. I'm the best secret keeper there is. I'll show you how good I am at keeping secrets. You're apparently not, since we know about the existence of the idol. But you don't know where. My I... secret is where. But why would you want to be a man that's known for being good with secrets when you can be a man who's known for making change? I, I don't remember. I don't remember her. I didn't choose it, but I don't, I, I don't remember. Choose something good, something new. You can hear the pounding of footsteps moving through the palace. Who's coming? Who is that? Proof. Proof that I'm good at keeping secrets. What? I, I, don't, I don't understand. Can you help us, though? The doors to the room slide open. And these faceless entities begin to walk in quickly. You shouldn't have done this. It's okay, though. You'll know soon. You'll know where they are. You'll know where it is. It, the idol? Is it, are they taking us to the idol? 
No, you're going to stay here with me now. No, we, we can't stay. We, got, we have to be in really quick and then leave really quick. And the green motes of light that are in the room start to thrum and reach like an incredibly bright tone. And you can begin to feel something pulling and twisting at you. Um, I need to know what everybody's resolve score is. Leah is going to spend six motes from her personal pile to increase her resolve score from four to seven. Excellent. Is anybody else going to boost their resolve? I'll boost mine by one to make it six. Tulio is going to use four motes to bump his up two more to make it six. So the only person whose resolve was not met or beaten is Leah, who is at seven right now. The other two of you can feel your skin begin to slide and move, but you can still resist this. You will need to pay a point of willpower. Mm-hmm. May I pay a point of willpower? Go ahead. Ooh. Well, considering he has seven willpower, let's spend one. It's Why is it not fine, then? If you're going to be like that, then they're going to have to hold you down. They're not going to touch me. Yep, roll join combat. <laughs> That's four successes. Leah got three successes. Seven. Seven. So we're starting at ten. That's a robust initiative. So here are the face boys. Well, they got zero successes, so good for them. And the Child Emperor got one. At top of the round is Tulio gets to go first. So Tulio will be using Ringing Anvil Onslaught, which will cost him six motes coming from Peripheral. And this is going to give him the ability to roll 11 dice, which is his combat. And if it's successful, then he gets to do a bunch of stuff that we'll only get to if it works. Okay, and you're contesting a defense value of four. All right, let's do it, Tulio. Four successes. Cool. What's your damage? So the damage is 18. Okay. Well, he has a soak of three. You got zero rollovers, so roll 15 dice to, to damage him. This is what 15 dice sound like. We have five successes. So that's five. So you gain six initiative plus the five from your initiative crash. So you gain 11 total initiative. You're at 22. If you would like, you can now spend a point of willpower to make a decisive attack against him per ringing anvil onslaught. Yeah. Okay, well, his defense against this attack is only three. Oh, your initiative right now is 22. Seven successes. Get right. Okay, so you now roll 22 dice of damage. Are you going to double those tens or not? Yeah. All righty. So roll 22 dice on this sweet baby boy. (laughs) Remember, ladies and gentlemen, that I play Godwin. This is what 22 dice sound like. 11 successes. So describe how... (sighs) There's no way you can survive. How you make this little boy go unconscious. So Tulio lunges towards the child king and... Realizing that he could very quickly obliterate this being, decides to instead turn the Gormal in his hands and just strike him 
aggressively with the blunt handle of the Gormal, hoping to knock him out with success. Incredible uh, success. And as you strike him, you can actually see all of the green light from the air begin to break apart as regular daylight begins to fall back into the room, and you can actually see the faces of all of the people who are in the room slowly starting to define themselves from the smooth, fleshy surface, almost as though they are, like, from inside, pushing out against the flesh barrier. Like a wax. Yes. That's nasty. And then it begins to peel away at the eyes, and the ears begin to pull out. And the child emperor is on the ground, whimpering. It's in the Tsuchisuyo Mountains. There's a hidden eye. And he kind of gasps that out as Poe, his attendant, looks worriedly down at the child, and then looks angrily at the adult man who struck the child. Now, won't you join us for lunch at Dee's Mans? Oh, I wasn't expecting that you would be occupying the tea room. <sighs> Fine, I guess I'll sit with you. That's kind of rude. I mean, we're friends, aren't we? Not to act like you don't know us. I know you, yes, but I wouldn't exactly say that I'm your friend. Uh, manager, maybe? Definitely direct superior. <laughs> well, I... I figured we were all kind of in an egalitarian situation. Well, that's news to me. I thought we had a very clear chain of command. Let's agree to disagree. Yeah, I guess we're gonna have to do that. What kind of tea did you want, since I'm over here rummaging through the Ooh, cabinets you... anyway? Ooh, are you buying? Sure. She's buying. All right. I need a menu. <laughs> we have rebus, we have green tea, we have... Matcha, we have Earl Grey, we have Can you mix thyme. them? Can I have a mixed tea blend? Can you? Yes. Will I look down on you for it? Also, yes. Well, you're standing up, so, and I'm sitting. Well, even when we're both sitting down, <laughs> I'll be looking down on you. That's fine. Um, I would like to have a Earl Grey mixed with the matcha. Okay, that's going to be pretty buzzy, for the record. Well, I know what I'm doing here. Okay. Leah, Tulio, what can I get you? I'll have the oolong. <laughs> of course. Do of they? Of course. Do they have that butter tea? That's my favorite. Well. <laughs> Is that just butter? <laughs> no, it's something that they serve in White Wall. It's popular. It's cold up there. And so, as something that they do to thicken and enhance the flavor of their tea. On those cold, cold evenings. Can you make my blend a white blend like that? A butter blend? What? Just put... Yeah, I sub Theoretically, I could <laughs> just put a stick of butter in everyone's tea. Not mine. Well, <laughs> yeah, put it in mine, yeah. Okay. I didn't realize that you were three-year-old children. I, I swear, though. Hey. I swear that if I give you this tea and you immediately scoop out and eat just the <laughs> butter and then you ask me... For more butter? I'm not giving you any more butter. You well, get to one. To avoid that, can we just have a one side of butter? Of butter. But a you side of butter to eat? Don't they put don't me have in the here. same boxes as you put them in. I mean, you gave us the idea. Now I kind of just want to do that. <sighs> I was trying to establish boundaries. <sighs> Fine. Butter boundaries? Didn't think you were that kind of guy. 
You know what? Would you call those soft boundaries? Oh, what? What's your melting point? I think you're about to reach it. I think you're about to reach it. You could say I can't believe this. That his... I cannot believe it's not happening if you right could now. Just, if you could just let me make this tea, it would be fine. It would be fine. And he actually reaches over to the wall nearby, puts on an apron, and ties back his hair with a little bandana. The water is going. Your tea is almost ready. Fast. One could say that his boundaries are spreading. <sighs> I'm not going to have this place marginalized. Okay. Margarine? Yeah. You know what? I'm going to have to talk to Die about establishing <laughs> some <laughs> sort of ban on puns. Just a hard ban. She's... No puns. So that would be our punishment? Son, damn it. <laughs> I feel like if you weren't so cold to us, that your apprehension would melt away. Well, you aren't exactly being approachable. I'm trying to talk to you about things. I guess I'm trying to make a conversational overture, and you're shutting me down with these stupid butter puns. Are you being a little butthurt? Butthurt. (laughs) I don't talk a lot for obvious reasons. Yeah. Not not as strong, Tulio. No. I'm just going to recommend, if you talk to Di about this, she's going to be like, why didn't you take care of it yourself? So maybe you should reconsider. Maybe I will reconsider, but I need you to stop so I don't have to just take this right up to the big boss. I thought you were the boss. Are you saying you just have to stick it out? No, I'm your direct superior. I'm not your boss. There's a difference. I think we need a butter boss. Uh, uh, a butter boss. Okay. This Get it is instead of better? Yes, I got it, Rizzo. I got it. Tea making is an art form, a time-honored, cultured art form. Would you and say you're that... you're making a mockery of it. Would you say that you a strive smuckery? to make it quality? <laughs> That's not even a thing <laughs> that's not even a thing what quality shut up i'm whisking i'm Is... whisking the matcha <laughs> make sure it's not too matcha right back matcha i'm gonna stop because i think right he's... back matcha <laughs> i think he's gonna explode if we don't stop have you ever seen a sun explode because it's a star what because well, the I, sun's a yeah. star, and it explodes. Are you talking about witchcraft again? Yeah, that... I don't know what you're talking about. Never mind. I think she meant because your name has sunlight in it. Yes, for obvious reasons. Oh, well, you don't have to be mean, God. Okay, you, you, don't, don't, you don't get to say... <laughs> you don't get to say... That I don't have to be mean, because ever since I came in here and started making you this, making tri- you? this thrice damned I didn't realize tea, he was making you. Why am I wearing an apron and a bandana if I'm not making you this tea? See, you know what? I think he can be mean if he really means it. Meets it? Means it. 
You know what, Ray? I'm just going to set a boundary here that you can't talk no, to me like that. No, you don't get to set boundaries <laughs> no. when I try to set boundaries. No, and it's you set. immediately ignore them. Okay, you know what? Set. You know what? 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 I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to take these cups of tea. I'm just going to smash them. And you're going to have to sweep them up. We're going to Because tell. I'm your direct superior. I and guess. so I get to tell you what you have to do. So clean them up. Maybe you should just... I'm going to second that notion. And I'm going to mm. add to this that you need to take that smock off. Off your face. Take I think, that smirk smock off your face. I think this oolong is going to take a little bit... Long. Oolonger to prepare than I once thought. Clean them up. I'm done with this. Thank you so much for listening to Swallows of the South. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to us, rate us, and review us on iTunes. Every review really helps get the show out there to more new listeners. If you want to find us on the web, you can find us at swallowsofthesouth.com, on Twitter at swallowsofsouth.com, on Tumblr at swallowsofthesouth.tumblr.com and on Google Plus at Swallows of the South. If you have any questions you would like answered or would like to speak to Quinn via email, please send your messages to swallowsofthesouth at gmail.com and I hope to see you next Tuesday. <laughs>